0: Hi everyone. Uh, this is another lecture on literature and cinema. So, as uh, we had already discussed in the previous lecture about how uh, you know uh, the art of aestheticism becomes an important one uh, because aestheticism means uh, you know uh, something that you beautify, something which is for the pleasure sake, something which has some sort of coherency in them. So, uh, A film is more advanced form of theatre and started with the invention of camera in the late 19th century and you know the study of theatre shows that a film represents events with the help of action and narration. Although every story has some narration, a film You know, creates a structure by unfolding of the characters and their actions. And you know, many a times we see characters come on the screen and play their roles. What do they think? What do they behave? How do they behave? Who are they friends with? And like there are some, you know, questions that uh, generate in our mind when we see, we speculate that, okay? And I like our, some most important aspects of every character that are not told but rather, you know, presented to us through action and camera. So uh, what we see on screen is a representation that gives us a very clear picture of every character's characteristics. And. Uh, In, uh, you know, there's a very famous uh, film theorist called Christine Mitz where he rightly puts uh, in his, uh, you know, uh, very famous book. uh, The name of the book is um, The Imaginary Signifier, where he quotes, I quote, what he has before him. I mean, he stands for the director and him stands for the audience so let me recode it what he has before him in the actual film is now somebody else's fantasy quotes close so we see film is phonocentric when we are watching a film we are given you know possibly both the sound and the concept of image of the signs used in the dialogue We are not led to multiple meanings. However, the meaning given to us by the film seems to be the final meaning of the whole dialogue. Through a film, the director always tries to draw attention to some specific points of view. Sometimes they have a humanistic approach to the meaning of film and believe that the audience will fully decipher it because the audience is not only told but also shown the film so when we talk about you know verbal to audio this visual transmutation of a novel both the novels that you have are the original ones and has been developed and adapted into films so this you know uh, this this transmutation, this this transference of uh, this this whole, uh, you know, from novel to film adaptation work, is is sort of you know audio visual transmutation of a novel. You audio video because we are visualizing it. So this audio visual transmutation of a novel, we see the novel does not remain the same. Because as we have talked earlier, I mean in the previous classes, it moves from logocentric to phonocentric approach to study. When it was a novel, it had a limited scope. I mean not in terms of reading, but in terms of representation. Because it's in word form. So when it is made into a film it gets you know more approaches and it becomes more scattered reason being because now from logocentric has changed to phonocentric you know phonocentric means you have sound and image all together and it becomes wider as well so in another sense the novel loses its you know dialectical imagination and becomes a monolith text saying in terms of you know this has been uh, a very famous writer again uh, Brian McFerlin he says that you know uh, changes led to a stress on showing rather than on telling and which as a result reduced the element of authorial interventions in its more overt manifestations so when you uh, make a film, I mean when you are representing a a film on screen which is based and influenced on a novel, you know the sanctity of that novel sometimes doesn't remain the same. It is on the whims and fancies of the director to take the initiative and direct the film according to his choice. And we have discussed in the previous lecture that uh, because, you know, a novel is a long, lengthy process, reading is a long, lengthy process, and a long one might comprise of 300 to 400 pages or maybe 1,000 or beyond. But in two-and-a-half-hour film or sometimes two-hour film, you can't picturize and dramatize everything on screen. So that is why adaptation of a novel into a film does not require to be genuine, because a full-length novel cannot be summarized within, you know, two and a half hour or half hour. And uh, but you know, Christine Mitch says that uh, the reader, I quote, will not always find his film, because what he has before him in the actual film. Is now somebody else's fantasy. I'm recording it. So, uh, talking about aestheticism, now aestheticism of a work is different. And when you, uh, you know, uh, when you do a cinematic adaptation on screen of a, of the very of the same text, would be different. So we say, see, aestheticism is a search after the science of the beautiful. And it is also the science of the beautiful through which men seek the correlation of their arts. So if we don't see any correlation between the written work and the cinematic adaptation, obviously it's going to disrupt you. It would disrupt your imagination, could disturb you as well. And this disturbance can only be viewed by a cinephile. Uh, a movie lover, a movie enthusiast can easily identify the gaps. And if a director tries to fill that gap deliberately or stressfully, it, is, it can be clearly shown. So, so, we have been talking about adaptation has been one of the most important tools for cinematic craftsmanship because it makes the craftsmen utilize the already existing source material in a new and trans-creative ways. So adaptation is there and, and, and in the novels, in order to mm, gasp the scene, a physical setting, we have no choice but to follow linearly that arrangement of arbitrary symbols set out for the most part in the horizontal rows. Uh, which enjoined the linearity of experience. This was quoted by Ramachand. uh Sorry, sorry. This was quoted by uh, pristine Metz. And when we talk about linearity, when we talk about uh, something, uh, a text being different and uh, the cinematic adaptation being different, it is there. Uh, now, I'll tell you one incident. Now Pinja's which starring Manoj Vajpayee or Urmila Matonkan and other others is an adaptation of Amrita Pritam's more poetic novel Pinja that we know, which deals with the sacrificial social con- contract of women. A woman is the property of the enemy and can be looted, plundered and exploited as a commodity. We have been discussing it. And a woman has to sacrifice her personhood. I mean, she has to sacrifice her femininity, her individuality, during such hot times as wars, partition, kidnapping, fighting, etc. etc., and is reduced from the subject to an object. The film, Pincher, adopts a novel with the same intensity of theme but refines the role of women. You are seeing the difference. Then, in the novel, we see uh, women being looted, plundered, uh, exploited very brutally. It is so crystal clear. Once you start, once you read the novel, you will get goosebumps. But what you see in the film is a refined one. The film adopts the novel with the same intensity. It is there, but refines the role of women. In the novel, almost all the women characters have been represented as submissive to the patriarchal norms. And Puro, she is the female protagonist. You know, she evolves as a new woman. Although Puro is treated as an object before being kidnapped. And in, in the in the beginning of the novel, you know, she starts governing Rashida, she has been more possessive, but only in her own family, but also Rashida's after her abduction. Sorry, it's not Rashida, it's Rashi. I'm a little <laughs> out of frame. So, many critics accuse uh, the director and the producer for adulteration in the film version of the novel. Actually, what is happening, the film adaptation of the novel is never a word for word imitation. You know, because the film has to satisfy the expected taste of the audience. The novel was written, say, around 1961, 60s, and 50s, in the, in the late 50s, and six in the late in the early 60s. So, that time the whole aura was different, the whole ambience of Indian um, consciousness was different. And it was released somewhere in 2000. You see a huge gap of almost 40 45 years. So, we know that the novel is written originally in Punjabi only for the literate people, while the film entertains both the literate and the illiterate audiences. If the film is genuine copy of the novel, it is only a documentary film running for six to ten hours then. Therefore the you know the producer invests a huge sum of money on the production of the film and he needs a market for viewing it. So keeping such issues into mind the scriptwriter recreates and you know narrative recreates the narrative and dialogues well no, that cannot at least be called adulteration so i mean it it is a kind of visual art and oral effect aurl oral effect which intensifies our aesthetic demands music and songs in pinjaur You know, they draw us close to the sentiments of the character. They vividly describe their feelings and emotions. These are the most palpable elements to arouse sympathy, fear and pleasure in every human heart. You know, in the novel, in order to... Yeah, I've discussed that also. Sorry, I was reiterating the same fact again. So, the omniscient narrator of the novel, narrates every event one by one which makes the plot runs you know con, uh, sequentially in a horizontal pattern puro's engagement with ramchan her abduction her younger sister's marriage to Ramchand, then ramchan's young you know younger sisters marriage to puro's brother tilokinath Puro's meeting with Ramchand, partition of India, the communal riots, violence and so on. They have been, you know, infused together. However, though viewing time is controlled much more rigorously than reading time, frame falling frame is not analogous to word falling word experience of the novel. You know? Each and every frame is tied together. In novels sometimes we do away with this tidying up of or you know tying up of sequence of words together. Therefore I said that viewing time is controlled much more rigorously than reading time. Because frame following frame is not analogous to word following word experience. There would be a lot of complexity and you know in order to avoid any sort of visual complexity increased by the input of oral and verbal you know senses director deliberately removes certain tiny nuances or some you know some delusions from the novel I'll tell you one more incident for instance Puro's restless passion to see Ramchand on a visit at Ratoval to cure eye ailment of Rahima's mother and the moment of their meeting episode have been you know have been through and interactions of codes, including codes of execution. So by comparing the two modes of reading, the pleasure found through such acts are quite different. As I've already mentioned earlier that the cinematic signs do not allow the reader to develop their own imaginary generalizations about the narrative. They are not involved in the production of meaning of the film. However, it is a ready-made perception through the eye of, I quote, somebody else's fantasy at Christine Metz quotes. So in the process of reading, the reader remains passive and silent although their intellectual mechanisms are, you know, non-creatively reading the film. They are passively applying all the possible devices to penetrate the complex web of meaning. So this was an adaptation, how we, uh, you know, see Pinger being adapted on screen, and uh, there are different uh, readings of the film and the novel. Some call it call this intersectional. You know, this division, uh, this uh, difference is very, um, which has made the film um, more complex. But the film is a simple version. If you see the film, you would understand each and everything. The novel starts with her abduction, but the film starts with a song. The sequence are, you know, uh, are not in linear way. They are little disordered. So now let's talk about the themes in the novel and in the film. We know that India-Pakistan partition, this has been repeatedly discussed and Pinger, which was released in 2003. It was again discussing the same issue of partition. And See, from a gender-based discrimination to consider a women's virginity as a sign of the family's prestige, the film explores them all. It explores and, you know, somewhat exposes. What happens if the, uh, if a woman uh, who is being abducted and lose a virginity, she was not, uh, she was just abducted. She was not sexually molested or assaulted. She was abducted. But, uh, I mean in, in the case of Puro. But other women in the film treated like commodity. Uh, if you see the deep desire for bearing a son is very important to a woman because if a woman doesn't bring, uh, give birth to a son, she is seen as a burden not giving birth to a baby is seen as a burden and the image of father has been discussed and glorified as the father is the only one who will you know, overburden himself with the sense of uh, humiliation that his daughter is being abducted by a Muslim you know and the father, on the other hand, keeps calling their daughter, "sarka boj." They are burdensome, and and there's a song. Uh, uh, it 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 goes like this: "charka chalati ma." You know, written by uh, actually Amrita Preetim, perfectly captures this tension between the scene as the song literally suggests that better off for a girl to die than to grow up, and. You know, becoming a burden to her family. So this this kind of you know stereotypical image where women has always been regarded and relegated to a, a, just a commodity, an object. From you know, she has never been a subject. She's always been an object. And the treatment of women being an object. This is what the novel is. In the novel is a testimony to all the women, what they go through during partition and in the family and outside. The kind of treatment that they receive. They are always at the receiving end. So uh, so we, we when you read the novel, you will find the you know the emergent female subjectivities in indian cinema how this uh the femme fatale the semi fatale f-a-t-a-l-e image where women is always you know she's shown as something
1: with always You know, suppressed and uh, forget about the female feminist theories that time because very few women, uh, you know, have the courage to speak. And today, we cannot imagine the modern in society, you know, with such women. Because if we talk, if we see these women in modern society, contemporary world that you live in, we'll find this oh, what kind of women they were, why didn't they speak out? The agency to speak out or to raise their voice was not there. And Indian cinema, particularly Hindi cinema, has become a significant part of their, you know, showing their uh, transformation as well. Not in the, not the Indian society, but cinema also. You know, cinema also captures the transformation of women from a voiceless character to a voice character. From not being anything to something. So these are the differences that you see uh, in film and in novel. And uh, Okay, and I will release another tape on uh, I mean podcast on Ginger. Uh, and that in that podcast i'll discuss the feminist traits in i mean the uh feminist approach in the novel and in the film okay